Greetings, cyberspace, and welcome to episode 144 of the Double Density Podcast with your hosts, Brian and Stephanie. Double Density, your home to tech tales and paranormal primers. So first things first, hi, wife. Hi. Hi, husband. So this time last year, we did an episode together that uh, was done right after we were married, right? Because we just celebrated our first anniversary. And so right. uh, we were newlyweds. We've had a year down the road. Uh, you're back. We want to talk about summer memories. We want to talk about like a lot of different things we've been up to recently together. So it's a kind of a different episode. Some tech, some paranormal, maybe. We'll see. It's like an anniversary special. Exactly, yeah. So I think the first thing we want to talk about is basically you and I have uh, been living together, uh, seeing each other constantly for about four months now. <laughs> I'm just I'm just laughing because it's like we've been living together. It's like, yes, that's generally what you do when you're married. Right, but I meant more like uh, every single day of our lives, oh, yes. every waking hour. Oh, yeah. Almost. To have and to hold forever. Forever. <laughs> um, so you and I have been consuming a lot of different kinds of media. So we've been watching movies. We've been watching TV shows. We've been watching a lot of YouTube, too. Oh, yeah. Lots of YouTube clips. Also, just looking for different kind of things to do. Like, not the normal stuff we would maybe go to on YouTube. Well, I think we're looking for a lot of things that are, like, capturing our attention. I think especially in these times right now. Yeah. So one of the things that you and I love to watch now are um, anti-MLM videos. So what is an MLM? So an MLM is multi-level marketing. So first of all, I won't even pretend like I'm an expert on this subject. The first time that I stumbled upon, um, I didn't really know much about MLMs. I think I knew about pyramid schemes in a more broad sense. Like, like a classic Amway? Yeah, like classic Amway or any of those kind of things where like you were you had to like ascend levels. Yeah, or, and, there's, and you had a downline. And you had to, yeah, exactly. You had to bring a few people in and all that kind of thing. So prior to that, had you ever been approached to be part of a pyramid scheme or an MLM? No, not that I know of, but I, I definitely think it was in a lot of, uh, like when I was younger and going to church, there were definitely a lot of families that were part of Amway. Right. So that I think that was like my first exposure to it. And I guess I'm not sure if things like Avon and that can, are considered like MLMs. Not I'm really, because sure. you don't really need a downline, right? Okay, like so you just, don't need a downline. Yeah. Okay, so I wasn't sure, because I those are the two that obviously you're more familiar with. In Canada, we had Regal, Discovery Toys, things like that too. Are Tupperware, apparently Tupperware parties are the OG MLM. Well, I was going to say that is kind of like the ground zero for all of these these movements, right? Which have yes. turned into like um, different kinds of uh, events, right? So uh, we watched videos on LuLaRoe, for example, right? Mm-hmm. Which is a clothing company that's also an MLM. And then they, a lot of them are, are a lot of the agents are independent contractors are like told to have parties. Yeah. Hashtag boss babes. Right. Yes, exactly. Um, there's a lot of those kind of companies, things like uh, doTERRA, Essential Oils is right. another big one that you see a lot about. You just said Unique. I saw some Arbonne. Oh yeah, you, well Unique is just like a, a gold mine if you, if you ever go on that <laughs> subreddit. To be honest, that's what truly got me into it at the beginning because I didn't really know anything about Unique. I'm not sure if Unique is as popular in Canada as it is in the so States. So what is Unique? So Unique is, um, they sell makeup. Okay. But basically it's the exact thing that like, makeup is like distributed amongst the makeup is like sold through distributors so you have to basically get clients again i i'm apologize already if there's some people out there that are way more versed in this than i am i think i just know more the bare bones of it but it really interests me so i probably should do even more research into it um but a lot of the things that comes up with unique is a lot of it is more the hilarity of like the makeup fails so a lot of the reps that are supposed to be convincing you to buy these makeup products actually have no makeup skills whatsoever and that's usually where they get lampooned in right. the, the subreddit where right. you, you know uh, so one of the things we saw too is the uh, the unique um uh, credit card or whatever like you see a lot oh, of yeah, people the who purple card yeah and it's like 
basically from my understanding, the unique card is how they're paid. So instead of getting cash or I guess any kind of check, they basically get their um, any kind of commission put onto the unique purple card. Because you've shown me like Instagram um, uh, captions where it's like someone goes to Starbucks and pays with their unique card. Or yeah, whatever, right? and, and they sort of, you know, humble brag on Instagram to be like, oh, love and life got this, you know, have my unique purple card. And it's basically the equivalent of like bragging with your debit card. Yeah. But, but there's this there's this aura of making it seem like it's synonymous with a black card like right. like it's very high high roller to have it because mlms uh at their core like what is it like 95 percent of people don't actually turn a profit because you need to buy inventory and things like that too oh, right to stay afloat af- absolutely that's why like especially lularoe i think is a really good example of this about how much inventory people purchased and you know invested in and then after you know when things obviously didn't work out because it's very rare that people are able to actually turn a profit um they're stuck with like loads of inventory that they can't even offload because nobody wants it i'll go ahead and add some uh, news stories about LuLaRoe in the show notes because you and i are both invested in that and um uh, something that dovetails into that too is we are both interested in, in the 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 boss bitch the boss babe oh uh, hashtag wa- boss babe right rachel hollis exactly so yes Ra- rachel hollis appeared at like which of these mlm so from my understanding rachel hollis so i don't know for any of you who are not familiar with rachel hollis she's sort of what you'd call like a i don't even want to call her necessarily a motivational speaker i think that's more how she defines herself Mm -hmm. more as but um she probably if you've heard of her you've heard of her because of her book girl wash your face Uh, which we used to have in this house yeah yes i will admit that like i sort of was like intrigued by it and then once i started reading i was like this is ridiculous did you ever own the secret like the book, The Secret. I've read The Secret. Okay. I never bought it. <laughs> okay, I don't know. If, I don't know if I've told this story on the podcast before, but a friend of mine got uh, a copy of The Secret from his mom for Christmas one year, and he was so furious with her. And he was like in his like mid twenties. Was it because she wanted him to visualize? <laughs> yeah, something, like create a vision like, board about his yeah, success or of something. Of him moving out or something. Yeah, exactly. Probably. Yeah. <laughs> but it's just so funny. That, that's like my essential memory of The Secret is just his like irate feelings towards his mother about well, getting that. I would say that a lot of this kind of like pop psychology, you know motive like it, she's very influenced by Tony Robbins and this mm-hmm. kind of whole like bettering yourself and and sort of manifesting what yeah. you what you want I definitely uh, think that's yeah no too though at the same time like when you start peeling that back right because oh no no she this was a party is her, planner this is her like how she's presenting herself right. I'm not saying it's actually the reality so she goes from party planner to marrying a Disney exec to suddenly launching this like media empire right well she actually met her husband first because she was working for a um, production company that's originally how she got into the business she met him they got married he was an exec- a very high ranking executive in Disney and then she ended up creating a party planning business based on the amount of like types of people he knew and like in his entourage so she was able to become very successful in that and then that sort of springboarded from my understanding into her kind of getting into this whole thing of like really especially since she created her own company the Hollis company and she ended up um, becoming the CEO which she later stepped down abdicated the throne for her husband abdicated the throne for her husband at his insistence because Mm. he was a high level executive disney and his reasoning was uh if ever i need to go get another job i need to uh, like a fancy title in order to like get those opportunities exactly basically he wasn't leaving his job at disney unless he was getting another ceo position in exchange and so that's how that ended up happening um but anyways she sort of got a really loyal following 
uh, around a lot of like because her, her her one of her main things is talking about being your own boss, right? And you know, creating your own company and being a girl boss and all this kind of stuff. And that really was attracted to a lot of like MLMs, mm-hmm. um, sort of like what their philosophy is, right. right? Where it's like working for yourself hashtag rise and grind like all this kind of stuff and, and it's kind of interesting because she had grown her following um, mostly online mostly through social the usual social media means right absolutely and then she ended up starting doing a lot of um guest speak like she was the guest speaker at a lot of these big like huge mm-hmm. events that like lola lularo would put on and um doTERRA would put on as well and she would just so what is doTERRA so doTERRA again again i i I won't even pretend like I'm an expert, but doTERRA really is involved in essential oils. Right. So diffusers of oils, the idea that like certain oils can, you know, either help with migraines or any kind of, you know, ailment that you may be having insofar as some extreme doTERRA like devotees will act as if it's it's synonymous with getting a vaccine for things and arbon is the 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 smoothies or like the meal plans yeah arbon is like a bit like beach body okay which is another sort of you know shakes and things like that so it's like they're all different facets of it Mm, i I think different grifts different yes exactly different grifts um to the people in them though i it's so hard to tell because i mean we've watched so many videos and it's hard to tell if people like really if they actually believe in these products or they just they're forcing themselves because they want so badly for something like this to work so i think there's a couple of things at play here i think one of the bigger things is um especially after 2008 like especially in the states like the economy kind of collapsed there's mm-hmm. a reception there's people looking to do side hustles that suddenly turn into full-time jobs or people at home uh military wives and then we were also uh one of the videos we had watched recently also underlined the fact that like a lot of mormon wives do this right so there's like this weird um sort of like a you know calling from god almost that you need to to become your own boss and make money for your family i think it's also this idea because if you are your own boss it allows you more avenues to do things like homeschool your children and have more time at home. So I think a lot of those values align with people who, you know, are necessarily come from certain faiths. Mm -hmm. So I think that's, there's definitely that attraction. And also people get referred in, like church is a really big reference point, right? Where it's like, if you're trying to get other women your age or other whatever it's a really good place for that because traditionally like door-to-door salesmen they like if you're selling encyclopedias or knives you go you literally have to go door-to-door whereas right. now it's all done online like we watch so many videos where people are trying to sell their failing lulu stock oh yeah um, through and Facebook then you'll get a, i'm not sure if anyone out there ever got a message from someone they went to high school with that started with hey hun like then, so just before we forget hun is kind of the derogatory term used to describe a lot of these primarily yes. women who do this right because there yes. are some men who do it but overwhelmingly the large majority of these people from what i understand women. it's it's mostly women who are who are the ones selling it but uh yes you'll see that word like hun it's become a little bit of like a of a buzzword that like if someone is approaching you with some sort of mlm pitch it's more this like it's kind of a way to get on your level like hey hun like right. hey we're friends you're not I'm not trying to sell you anything. But join my downline. Right, exactly. Or like, I haven't spoke to you since high school, hun. 
Like, what are you up to? You look like you need some essential oils in your life. You know, <laughs> everyone, like everyone does. Kind. Let's be honest here. Yeah, of course. I'm kind of curious if anyone out there um, uh, would have a family member or friend who has uh, been part of an MLM. Uh, go ahead and tweet us at double underscore density to let us know. We'd be interested in hearing about that before we continue talking about this because I was talking about Rachel Hollis before, right? So the big news in the blogosphere, of course, is that Rachel Hollis is uh, uh, separated from her husband, Dave. It's kind of a weird situation in this amidst this pandemic, right? Right. And I think the big thing that that sort of rocked her her community was really because her and her husband Dave used to host a daily podcast that was called Rise Together. Right. And they would always talk about, you know, their marriage and their whole thing was like being basically an open book um, about like the highs and lows of marriage. And they even had conferences, like Rise conferences well, that they sold also, out. They also did like... Um, like uh relationship weekends right oh yeah where it was basically and that's the part where it gets really murky because neither of them have any kind of they're not therapists there's not any kind of like training to be giving marriage conferences or anything like that i mean from what i can tell though honestly at least rachel hasn't she hasn't come out and say like trying to say that listening to her is like replacing a therapist she is Mm -hmm. still advocating that if you do obviously have issues that you need to talk about she's she's not trying to replace it but i think there is yeah, a there's very also that dangerous exactly because it's almost as if like she speaks in an authoritative kind of way yeah. or to say that i'm an expert on xyz because i've motivated myself right and i think a lot, what's really dangerous is that when those kind of talks happen at these conferences as we've seen in a lot of the videos we've watched a lot of the women attending these conferences are there because they're struggling in their business and they've lost loads of money. Mm-hmm. So the, the recurring theme is that these kind of conferences put it back on the person that it's their fault. For sure. You're not hustling hard enough. For sure. Especially with the little row, I think, right? Of course. Uh, so. I, I think it's funny because a lot of this has this like weird sunken cost fallacy, right? Like I've already invested X amount of money into this. So I'm going to just continue doing so instead of just pulling out and like, you know admitting defeat yeah yeah of course and especially i almost think it's almost it becomes like one of these like urban legends that like a friend of a friend apparently was able to like retire at 40 doing LuLaRoe. yeah but it's like this this not real no, like no one actually is able to do this no and i think a lot of this is facilitated by the internet these days right so the idea that you can see how other people are um doing sales wise and i mean like the thing you and i talk about often is that people love to put on masks on social media right so the appearance of success is of paramount importance in a lot of these different brands mm-hmm. so someone like rachel hollis comes in and then you know the idea of self-empowerment and you're not trying hard enough and you should try harder and you will succeed, right? And that's kind of the downline. exactly. And I think someone had quoted this very well and I I believe it was in the BuzzFeed article that I'll have to find, we'll have to cite the author for that. But she talks about this thing that Rachel Hollis does where it's like called curated imperfection, where it's this way of like, trying to show like see like i'm not perfect like my hair is messed up and i can't you know get my thick i can't clean my house but it's like this is not real like you've you try to it's it's like a fake vulnerability that you're trying to get with your audience but it's not actually real because if she was real she wouldn't have been doing her rise together podcast three weeks before she announced that she was getting divorced right. acting as if like saying that quarantine has done wonders for their marriage and they they have makeout sessions and all that that's not real that's not authentic 
I mean, let's be honest here. Like, uh, the pandemic has done like good and bad for for any kind of relationship, including yours and ours, right? I think that like being in a house with someone for months straight can kind of be a little crazy making if you have nowhere else to go. Especially we live in a small apartment. You know, sometimes some of us just need a break. And I I think it's it's everyone is feeling the effects of all this. And I I think that anyone who acts like they're not, I mean, well, good for you if that's actually the case. But I think even the most strong couples right now are struggling. I think I've talked to you about the sociological aspect of the third place, right? Because there's home, there's work, and then there's a third place, which traditionally was the mall or a library, things like that. But we've been reduced the three places to one, right? Because your home, in a lot of cases, if you're not working um, public facing, is is now also your work, right? So you don't even have a second place to go to because like, what are you supposed to go do? Sit in a coffee shop and just wait for something to happen to you like it's just like this weird kind of situation that we're all in pretty much um i mean like with of course some asterisks there in terms of like different people different jobs but uh, right now um we're largely a sedentary um uh, population here in canada and also in the states to a certain degree yeah it's it's definitely changed our lives as we know it right now and i think the fact that we're not sure till how long this is going to be for but um, I think it's normal and very real that this has impacted people's relationships, not even just romantic ones, just like relationships with family and everything. It, it's it's changed a lot. Yeah, for sure. Um, so the thing um, that we wish we could do this summer is like go on a vacation, but we can't, right? So I thought we could travel back in time, sort of like talk about the vacations of our youths. Uh, you and I are both uh, veterans of the car trip because we, yes. we both realized this, but we uh, both had taken our first planes as adults um, on our own without our parents. Yes. So any kind of trip when I was a kid um, or even when I was a teenager was always within driving distance. Yeah. That's how we we did it. Um, So, yes, my first experience of going on a plane was after I graduated university and I ended up going to England for my first trip. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it was completely new. So you you didn't even do like a half hour flight. It was just like the first six hours overnight. Hashtag go big or go home. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Okay. This is what we're doing. We're doing hashtags here. <laughs> That's it. Exactly. Yeah. My first flight was in the middle of January from here to Toronto and then from Toronto to what was supposed to be Calgary, but we landed in Edmonton because it was too snowy. And it turns out in Alberta, liquor stores are open until 2 a.m. We found out. So that was a fun evening. Oh, well, that's an interesting thing. And I was uh, 18 on the cusp of 19. So. Yeah, so I was a little bit older when I took my first flight, and I think I was just so excited. I, I I couldn't wait to be on a plane. And then now, after after since it's it's been quite a while since that's happened. It's like I've gone on many planes in my life, but you know, it's I think it's a little sad to feel like that's not the type of trips we can be taking, at least not for the near future. Yeah, of course. So coming back to car trips, when you were a kid, when you were a teenager, how did you keep busy in the car? I think that there's different levels of it. I think when I was a kid, I mean, I have to say special, special shout outs to my mom for being the Who's best. Who's definitely mom. listening to this. Who's de- yeah. Well, I don't know about that one. <laughs> Does she know what a podcast is, you think? I don't think so. But, you know, love you, mom. Um, she used to do like she was so good with that, like preparing all kinds of games for us. I mean, I think also every parent played the kind of like alphabet game with uh, my name is Anna and my husband's name is Andrew. We're from Alaska and we sell apples. And we have an alpaca. That one too. You could throw that in there. Um, So there's that kind of stuff. License plate games were really big as well. You know, trying to identify all the different kinds that you could see, Mm -hmm. especially if you were going for a longer distance. Um, just like car, I don't know if you remember those kind of car games that used to sell, like so mini Yahtzee or whatever. Yeah, like mini Yahtzee, mini uh, Guess Who, mini okay. Pictionary, like those kind of things. I definitely think that was something we had um, when I was a kid. When I was a teenager, I probably just had um, a novel and like my discman. Right. 
Yes. I think for me, as and a yes, kid, I said disc. Well, we'll talk about that in a sec. <laughs> uh, for me, one of the big things when I was a kid was definitely like the um, str- strategizing, the strategizing in my brain of like what I wanted strategery? to bring. Strategery. Yeah, a little bit of strategery of like what I wanted to bring. Like, how many books should I bring on the trip? What should I? Well, like, kind of like planning out in my mind like what I should sort of like bring with me yeah, if I'm stuck in a that's car. That's like so exciting. No, that for was sure the best part. For sure. Um, was your family like a big radio family like on trips? Um. We would listen to the radio, but then again, we've had these conversations before that I used to have this massive anxiety when I was a teen that like certain songs would come on the radio and I'd be like, oh my gosh, my parents can't hear Genuine's Pony. I'm going to have to well, like, I think I've told you, uh, Tony shut Braxton's, it all down. Tony Braxton's You're Making Me High when I was nine in the car, right? It's, it's a song about, you know, self-pleasuring yourself. Yeah. So self-pleasuring yourself sounds redundant. So I'm just going to say self-pleasuring. Yes, exactly. Yeah, there's certain things that you're like, oh my God. It was the same anxiety you would get if you rented a movie you had never seen before and everyone was watching it and you'd be like praying that there was no awkward sex scene. Do you do you have any instances where it did happen? Oh yeah, when we were watching Jerry Maguire, there's this like very brief, like random sex scene with Tom Cruise and I had like been warned about it by someone else. So I actually strategically left the room and went and got like a snack and came back and pretended like nothing happened. Yeah. 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 That was like a real like no one knows this now when you right. watch Netflix. You don't have to worry about your whole family watching these movies. Right. Because a lot of people had like one TV in the house with one DCR. Exactly. And if you were renting a movie, it's because you were renting it for the whole family because, you know, cost effective. <laughs> I remember going to see Basketball with my mom, which is like a raunchy, like in the States, it's an R-rated movie, right? So right. there's a lot of sex jokes and things like that. And there's like a, yeah, um, she seemed not phased, thankfully. It was a really weird situation where my sister, who was um, uh, 11 at the time, went to go see There's Something About Mary with my, oh my goodness. her friend and then her friend's dad. Uh, and at the same time, I saw basketball with my mom. It was just like a really that was like an afternoon. awkward weekend, wasn't it? Yeah, it was really really strange. Yeah, pretty. It's pretty crazy to think with ratings. Like we've always laughed about this. So like I had to go with my dad to go see Batman Forever. Right. That was rated thirteen, even though there was like nothing scandalous in it at all. But did I, he care? No, no. I I think I was like twelve, so he was like, okay, it's fine. But yeah, of course, like the that notion of ratings and like needing your parents to go to things, like that's not. I don't really think that's a thing anymore. Really, most uh, of the. I mean, I guess I don't really even know. Going out to the theaters, yes. Like uh, home entertainment, no. No, and I mean, th- unless you're. I guess you have parental blocks on your Netflix account. I yeah. there's you, no you, you can definitely do that. Exactly. Should we so. should I install that for you? Just to uh, yeah, sure. probably. Just just in case I want to watch Batman Forever right. again, it's pretty good that we, we make sure it's right. only in a Or Laws of Our is like Nymphomaniac or something. Right, exactly. Which was on Netflix both parts for a while. I know I didn't I didn't get to watch that, but yeah, but I think also like a lot of this stuff is available not in whole blocks, but like a lot of the clips are available on YouTube, for example, right? So oh, there's like, that there's too. a lot more exposure there. For sure. And I think it's the kind of thing that like because of the type of you know my parents were pretty you know kind of strict about what we were watching i mean we couldn't even watch things like the simpsons because my dad didn't like how rude bart simpson was to his dad whereas like my family is the inverse i was like five or six the first time i saw robocop Um, oh but i did see terminator 2 and i told you that (laughs) my mom lied to me that the guy at the end ran out of the building when it blew up miles dyson didn't yeah (laughs) And for so long, I was convinced that he got out when he, you know, clearly died. But yes, yes, the lies we tell our children. So talking about movies, like, is there a movie um, that you wish you could see again for the first time? Mm, 
I think that I don't know if it's so much a movie I wish I could see for the first time. I think I wish I could enjoy movies the same way I did when I was a kid. Because yeah, absolutely. Okay, here's a perfect example of this. Um, <laughs> in our attempt to say like things to do, we started doing like movie lists and yes. deciding like let's each choose a movie. So in my mind, the movie Now and Then, which I don't know if any of you are familiar with, with it's back. I think it's like what 1994. 394 95, yeah. um, with Demi Moore and Rosie uh, O'Donnell and Thora Birch and Reed Wilson, Christina Ricci. And it was like a very, a movie that in my mind when I was a teen, or, or I would say probably more like when I was 10, 11, I really related to it. I was like, oh my gosh, this is such a good movie. And you know, you have this thing like, and you remember it fondly. And then now you watch it again and you're like, what was I thinking? Yeah, it was a piece of garbage. <laughs> and like, I, I can withstand a lot of different movies and things, but like that was uh, definitely not a high point. It wasn't, it wasn't, and it wasn't a high point for me too, because clearly I had put that on my to watch list and it was like, wah, wah. Yeah, it was uh, not a fun evening. Yeah, and then I introduced it? you to bo- to Boogie Nights, which wasn't too bad. Yeah, that was okay. That was too long. Though. That was really too long. <laughs> the bad news is I'm going to make you watch Apocalypse Now sooner or later. Well, so. the good news is I'm going to make you watch The NeverEnding Story, which I'm pretty sure will be really way worse than I rem- I I remember it fondly but again I'm sure it's horrible. Right. But you, you know, you're going to be in yeah. for it. But you also want to torment me by watching Blue is the Warmest Color which is like a gut-wrenching three-hour like Yeah, but movie. I haven't seen it. But like I said, we have different thoughts on this. I love the movie Blue Valentine yeah, I, even though it's nope, super depressing. Nope, nope. Anyone out there like Blue Valentine? Can't do it. Yes. Can't d- okay. double underscore density on yes, on, tw- love on Twitter. Yes. Blue Valentine. I can watch those kind of depressing movies for some reason and it doesn't bother me. But yeah, then, if you then ask I have me to, to watch Homeward Bound, yeah. forget it. Because I'm not watching I'll Cry Buckets at the What about end. All Dogs Go to Heaven? No. Oh my God, that makes... And there's like a really scary scene in there too. See, again, this is stuff you remember as a kid where you're like, that really creeped me out and I'll never watch that again. So you're in the car. You have your disc in as a teen. What's in the disc man? Oh my god! I don't know. Like, I guess it depends. Well, probably a burn CD. Let's be honest, yes, which here. you still have, and we occasionally pull out still. Oh yeah, and it's very strange because I actually know the tracks like based on how I burned them on the CD, as if it's like a real album. The way so that you know, I've I've been having that um, situation happen to me with Spotify playlists recently. There's like certain songs that like seg into other songs. So if I like if I click on like a daily playlist that Spotify generates for me and like the songs are in the wrong order, it bothers me. Yeah. Cause you're like, no, this isn't the next one that it's supposed to be. It's supposed to be no diggity. Yeah, exactly. Forever <laughs> and ever. <laughs> exactly. And uh, Doja Cat's Say So, which gets played a lot around here too. Well, yeah, but not on a burn CD. No, well not yet. No. I mean, we do have a couple of burn CDs somewhere around Although here. Although you do laugh at me because some of the songs that I ripped on those CDs have like the voiceover from the radio yeah, so on it. That'll say radio. like radio one. Yeah. And I think there's a Kara like a premiere of a Sugar Ray song I think like uh, When It's Over or no uh, Answer the Phone one of the two for me, on the Burn yeah. CD no definitely one that I remember oh, is Girlfriend, I have it on NSYNC. yes I have yeah. it on NSYNC Girlfriend and I have it on Electrical Storm you too <laughs> right which was the radio one I think <laughs> yeah that's because I think one. I downloaded that at one point right so you yeah. know is that the only U2 song you like no, I, lo- I love, you know, everyone went through the phases of liking like U2 80s edition. <laughs> but you had a and big... You listening a... to Still Haven't Found What I'm Looking For and being like, this is so deep. Yeah, right. you, you had a big like 80s phase, right? Because you wanted to watch all the John Hughes movies and things oh, like yeah, that. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like in my early 20s, I went through a huge like, you know, Breakfast Club, Pretty in Pink. Although I also made you watch St. Elmo's Fire, which, which you okay. were like, meh. It was okay. Yeah, it was okay. But yes, so the same thing. I went through like a very big phase of listening to a lot of 80s music and and like getting very interested in that era mm-hmm. in my early 20s for some reason. Do you feel any remnants of that now? 
I mean, I still have an appreciation for 80s music. And I mean, who doesn't love The Breakfast Club? But um, not as much. No, right. I'm not into it as the same level that I was. No, you're just into MLM stuff. Yeah, of course, obviously. <laughs> um, during the summer, like some of your favorite activities uh, as a kid, what were they? Because, for example, for me, it was definitely like being able to rent video games and play them all day until my mom got mad at me. Why would she get mad at you for playing video games? Because she wanted us to go outside eventually. Oh, well, yeah, I guess for sure. If it's the summertime, she's like, get out of the house. So you're not a big video game renter, but your brother was. I was, yes. So I did play video games a lot with my brother, but um, the thing that's the most hilarious is that I, I always got very nervous when it was like very competitive. So if I was playing Mario Brothers and I had to go defeat Bowser, I would always like throw the game controller at my brother and be like, you need to do it. <laughs> Because I was too nervous. I don't know if I brought this up on the podcast before, but I have a very distinct memory of being seven or eight years old. And it is like um, like 9 or 9.15 in the morning. And uh, we had my parents had bought a CD player with a Beach Boys Best Of. So I was listening to that while playing Super Star Wars on the Super Nintendo. Super Star Wars? Yeah, on the Super Nintendo. Oh, I don't Nintendo. know that one. Okay. Or uh, we'll, uh, that summer I also played a lot of Star Fox. Star Fox. Which yeah. you do remember. I love Star Fox. But you yes. love Star Fox 64. Yes, that's true. I didn't play... We didn't have the Super Nintendo. We went from Nintendo straight into the 64. Right. Um, and you are super excited for some newish news that there is going to be a Pokemon Snap sequel on the Switch eventually. Thrilled. So you made me text Angelo about that. Yes, because I was like, Angelo, you need to buy this game so we can go over and play it surreptitiously I, yes exactly because i would love to see what that's going to look like so what were some of your favorite activities as a kid that sort of like so you watched your brother play video games i guess yeah but not so much like yes watching video games for sure that was like a very fun thing to do but in the summer it would be all kinds of things especially since we had a laneway and we had a our backyard was concrete mm. so we had a basketball net uh there was a a skateboard ramp not that i ever skateboarded but <laughs> yeah because i would love to see footage yeah of no that. no <laughs> that's you're never gonna find that um but yes yeah, so we would do things like we play a lot of sports with like neighborhood kids like right. and i used to go biking a lot yeah, like same. a lot of it was just being outside we also had a big park across the street from us and a huge pool so like mm. swimming was like a huge part of my summer it's we basically spent here. the whole day in the pool yeah. and then and your mom would call you back over yeah or we just walk back at lunch eat lunch go back in the afternoon come back it was like basically like we had it to ourselves right so I, we had a similar situation in the second house we lived in when i was 12 onwards like we lived in a park and in the park was a municipal pool that was like five minutes away not even right so we'd always be there um pr pretty much every day yeah yeah, and it was it was one of those things that because you knew everyone in the neighborhood, you would always meet up with friends there, even right. though you didn't plan it. Because right, no one was texting each other, no cell phones. Yeah, it was a different time. It was a different time. It's a different time. <laughs> um, so uh, you used to hang out with friends. Did you ever do sleepovers? Oh, of course, did loads of sleepovers. That's where I ended up watching any horror movie that well, I've ever watched in my life. So that's kind of what I'm talking about is like scary sleepover tales for like the paranormalish side of things. Like what uh, made you afraid? Like were there instances where you're like, I can't watch this anymore? Well, I, I was like, you already know this about me. I have like no tolerance for horror movies at all. I'm freaked out about everything. So that was never something we had in our house so whenever we'd be at like a sleepover it was always like the cool thing to be like we're gonna rent a really scary movie and then it would be a movie that would like terrify me there's still like a tales from the crypt that like terrifies and haunts me to this day like an episode of yes where it's like horrible and i can still remember the whole plot of it and i don't even want to look it up because i know it's there give us the beginning of it 
So, like, the plot is that there's this woman who is, like, a really bored housewife. And she works with this... Sorry, she works... She lives with this, like, very controlling man who works as a lumberjack. He owns, like, a... (laughs) Yes, I know. (laughs) He owns, like, a lumber yard. Okay. Anyways, this really young, hot lumberjack starts. And she's like, oh, he's really hot. And they hook up. And the guy, the, the... husband sees this and he so what he does is he uh blinds the young lumberjack with like an axe okay. and hits him across the face with it okay. or whatever. so anyways the moral of the story whatever the other lumberjacks put both the wife and the husband into logs because now this young lumberjack is blind and he saws them both in like in pieces and he doesn't realize that he's doing it because he's blind and it was just traumatizing so back in the day this used to air on cbc oh my god on like friday nights or whatever like it's like the stuff of nightmares right around like the same time as kids in the hall Oh my god. So no, like that's it. Like any kind of exposure I had to scary movies where it was like I watched The Exorcist, which I had I told you I had this really awkward situation with my dad like many years later because we were ta- I don't know how it got brought up something talking about The Exorcist and I was like, "Oh my god, remember that scene where she's stabbing herself in the leg with the cross?" And my dad's like, "It wasn't it her wasn't leg." Her leg. <laughs> And I was like, oh, my God, I need to go get a snack from the kitchen like Jerry Maguire. So did you guys also, like, um, during your sleepovers, did you tell each other scary stories? Yeah, there was sometimes there was definitely that element of, like, oh. And I I think a lot of that, too, originates from, like, being at camp. Because the few times that I went to camp, that was also a really big thing, like, telling scary stories. And I used to know a scary story, but now I forgot it all after all these years. It was one that I had heard. Right. It basically, I think, was the plot to Halloween, but I just didn't know it then. <laughs> A.K.A. But. The, the Babysitter Murders, right? That was the original name for Halloween? Right. It was about, like, a kid who had died at camp because the counselors were doing something, oh, and then he came the back to haunt them. But now that I'm thinking about it, I'm like, that's the exact plot to Halloween. No, it's or, the exact plot oh, to Friday the 13th. Friday the 13th. Yes, yeah. not Halloween. My bad. Because, spoiler alert, uh, the first Friday the 13th, right? It's the mom who does the killing? Right. And that wonderful song that I like, too, that's about... Oh, <laughs> by Ice Nine Kills. <laughs> right. right. Which we'll put in the show notes, too. Um, but yes, so my only exposure to those kind of, like, scary stories was always at sleepovers. Yeah, yeah. yeah we weren't sure. We weren't big scary storytellers. We were just assholes to each other. Like, we would keep each other awake all, all night. Just, like, you'd be falling asleep and then someone would make, like, a weird, funny noise. Like, oh, very yeah. boy humor. Well, for us, it was always, like, also Ouija boards. Oh, yeah. And I, I think we like, talked about this yeah, last year, too, actually. That yeah. was on... Yes. And... I was always like, I'm leaving the room at this point because no, I, I really, that freaked me out. Yeah. Yeah. So as an adult, you have no desire to watch any of these things with me. No. Any of these horror, well, I definitely won't watch that Tales from the Crypt. No. I have the sure. DVDs at my parents' place well, storage. I'm sure that creepy episode is on there and I'll never watch it. That's okay though. Like I'm not going to force you to watch anything you don't want to watch okay. except for Halloween 2018. 2018? The newest one, yeah. No, I don't, it's not called Halloween 2018. No, it's called Halloween, but it came out I did see H2O though in right, theaters. Right, with LL Cool J. Yes. Yes. Uh, uh, what was that? And like Josh that? Hartnett. August, uh, August 1998, right? I was it. Yeah, oh, okay. Because sure. I started, I started high school then. Oh, okay, so. so then yes. For some reason, it's stuck in my brain. I remember I had to go to like one of these like days where you kind of learn where everything's laid on the high school, and then they let you go. Like it wasn't a formal day; it was like before classes started. Right. And then we went to go see H two. Going to movies was a big thing in the summer. Yeah. That is definitely something like I, every week we were going to see, especially on like cheap Tuesdays, like we oh, were yeah. always going to see movies. I, yeah. I saw Disturbing Behavior. <laughs> which we watched, <laughs> in right? In the summer, which we watched. Again, better in the memory. Yes. 
yeah. much better in the memory. Uh, one of the funny things I think is when, um, so we never grew up with central AC. We never even grew up with, I never even had like um, an air conditioner in the house. It was always just fans. Right. And I lived on the second floor. It was super hot all the time. So anytime I could go out in the evening or like do something that was like in cool temperatures, I would. So I remember um, uh, in my university years, I used to work at a pharmacy and I used to sometimes work the nine to three shift. And then I would just go see a movie nearby to just chill for two hours before having to go home and sweat back out. Well, movies were also just a really great place. It was cheap. It was like you could see two movies in a row. Well, yeah, you could sneak into movies. No, see, I used to feel mad guilt about that. I never did it. I found a loophole to figure out. Um, I'm not going to talk about that, actually. Never mind. But uh, there is a way to figure out which cinema, like auditorium, is showing which movie. Terrible. So I use that to my advantage. Did I know about this criminal past when we got together? I, I, think, I've, I think I've I admitted to it. I think we've, have we gone to see two movies at once? I don't think so. No, okay. No. I don't think so. I think also, I guess they're get they're maybe smarter about that now than they yeah, used to no, be. I'll be honest oh, with okay. you. Yeah. Well, yeah, I, I miss doing, uh, uh, you know, uh, unofficial double features. We miss you movie theaters. Yeah. So some of the things we like to do in the future is uh, we would like to watch all three mummy movies, the Brendan Fraser ones, right? I don't really want to watch the third one, but, but yes, I will. Yes. Would you rather watch Scorpion King instead then? I, okay. Yes, I did. I didn't hate the Scorpion King. It wasn't great. The Mummy Returns, though, best Mummy yeah. movie for sure. We also want to do an LOTR marathon. Did I call Videotron and reserve a VHS copy of it when it came out? Yes. Yes, Huge I surprise did. Do, you, do your parents still have that? <laughs> yes. Okay. Oh, absolutely. So they still they have are the, Disney movies. They are the holder of all our VHS. All of the Disney movies I own in VHS, they're still in my parents' house. Everything's still there. So you have everything there just waiting for you to just find Just waiting for like me. VCR. Exactly. Well, I have a VCR. They still have a VCR. They have my old TV combo with VCR, a VCR. Right, it's right. still in the back room. Yes. Still works. Still works. Well, because your, your nephew. My nephew would watch like Winnie the Pooh videos. Or no, the it. thing he was obsessed with was how the Grinch stole Christmas. Oh, yeah. And he hate. loved the Grinch. Yes. Oh, yeah. Well, I hate his face when he smiles. Yeah. That's, again, Is that like a horror fuel. movie? Yeah, it's a horror movie. Yeah, that's, it was like a horror movie at Christmas. Yes. <laughs> huge surprise there well stephanie thank you for coming on uh for episode 144 of the double density podcast any last thoughts um yeah i just i think that uh summer is going to look a little different this year so i think we're we'll keep you posted on how many more terrible movies i make you listen yes. to or, or watch again. or watch yes yeah, so uh, <laughs> yes listen to implies it's uh, like you're gonna turn me around like i'm gonna put you on an old-timey radio yes um so don't be a sucker for mlms don't do it if someone is a boss babe, run the other way. Yeah, if you see a unique credit card in someone's Instagram profile, then you know that you might be um, in their sites. And don't be jealous because you too can also buy a $5 coffee with your debit card. Yeah, don't be, don't be a hater, right? Because that's the big thing too. I think one of the things we didn't talk about is the adversarial relationship in which people, it's almost called like in which they feel they're a part of something and that they're against the world, right? Because a, right. like the Rachel Hollis at the one of these conferences like says like how many of your friends and family don't believe in what you're doing and all these hands go up and they're like there's crying and things like that right? yeah yeah of course but um do you want to start a cult with me and start a cult and, start and, a cult like, mlm that, adjacent cult. That, that got really serious fast let's just do it let's just do it i like how you're just throwing this in at the end of the episode yeah, why not? by <laughs> the way cult invitation for a cult there you go uh, with that, you can always find us all over on Twitter at double underscore density, Instagram at a double density podcast. You can also email us at double density podcast at gmail.com. You can also hit up double density.net to see your guest page, my host page, and uh, uh, all the different ways in which you could subscribe to episodes on uh, all, almost all of the different podcasting platforms, if not all of them, right? So we're around, we're everywhere. 
we're living, we're breathing. Uh, tune in next episode as Angela and I try to return to business as usual. See you, Steph. Bye.